Thank you for listening to the New Covenant Fellowship weekly podcast. We hope you're enjoying the messages. Unfortunately, we experienced unexpected technical difficulties this Sunday, which resulted in a very poor quality recording. Nevertheless, we would still like to make the message available to you, but we ask your forgiveness for the poor quality recording. The technical issues have since been resolved, and we expect to return to our high-quality audio performance next week. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message. Let's pray. Okay. And then let's, uh, we will need prayer. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that we as your family are not only loved by you, but we get to love you and we get to love each other. And I thank you, Father, that you are equipping us to be effective carriers of your presence, ambassadors of your kingdom. And we take that assignment seriously and passionately and excitedly, Father. We are excited that we get to see your kingdom not only advance, but impacting people's lives in our community, in our families, in our workplace, in this, in this city, in this state. And so, Father, we thank you that you are equipping us with practical things that will make us effective in serving you. So our, our ears are open and our hearts are open to receive what the Spirit of the Lord wants to say to us this morning. And we thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Last week, we shared on some, um, what does worship look like? You guys remember that? You know, Shabbat means to shout. Hello means to dance, to clamorously move around foolishly. Uh, Tahila. 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 Yeah, that. <laughs> to sing a new song. Uh, Zamar, to sing, to sing praises and to play on instruments. Uh, tada and help. Uh, tada and. What was it? Yada. Yada and Tada, Tada, means to raise your hands, lift your hands. And so it's important that, because we wonder, sometimes we wonder, why do we do these things? Why are people dancing? Are they just foolish? Are they just excited or what? That could be the case, but also the Bible invites us to praise the Lord with the dance, to praise Him with the shout, to praise Him with our hands lifted high. And so the Lord is inviting us to express our praise and adoration to Him in those ways. So we talked about that last week. And so my question this week to you and that you may be asking is, okay, what does that have to do with real life? Okay, I'm getting excited about worshiping and praising Jesus, and I'm dancing, and I'm singing, and I'm shouting, I'm bowing down. But what does that have to do with real life? Because, Pastor, you don't have any idea what it's like at work. Or you don't know what I'm going through at home. Or you don't know what I'm going through in the world or at school or whatever. And so what does this praise and worship stuff have to do with real life? And does it have anything? To do with real life. And I'm so glad you asked that question. So glad you asked that question. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, if you can go ahead and put up that first scripture. 1 Samuel 30. 1 through 6. I'm not going to read the whole story. But just to, I'm going to, we're going to read the first few verses of this. One of my favorite stories. Do you have that passage? Alright. Now it happened. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. How many of you guys realize this is a real situation? Then David and the people who were with him 
Now the people who were with David were his mighty men, the men, the 600 soldiers that had just come back from battle. So David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives uh, had also been taken captive. I'm going to try to read those names. Now David was, now listen, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his son and his daughter. Pause right there. So here's the situation. David and his mighty men were fighting battles, getting the bad guys. They come home ready to hang out and celebrate and chill with their, with their kids and their wives, their spouses. Some of them had more than one. And they came home, and they come home, and their houses are burned down, and their families have been kidnapped. And they were so grieved and so distraught that these mighty, powerful men cried until they didn't have any strength in them to cry anymore. And then David is that he was even more distressed because the men talked of stoning and killing him. They were so upset, they had to blame somebody, they had to take it out of somebody, and so they were going to kill the leader because if it wasn't for him, they would have been home and this wouldn't have happened. And then it says, so this is the circumstances, the scenario, it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now I wonder what he did to strengthen himself. Now those of us who know about David, we know that he had the habit of praise and worship. I mean, when he was watching his father's sheep, he spent time in the desert or, or in the wilderness, wherever, taking care of his father's sheep. We, uh, probably a lot of the songs that he wrote and sang were in, during that time. But David spent time worshiping the Lord, spending time with God. He became familiar with the Father's presence. He knew to, to uh, gain access to God's presence through praise and worship. And that's what praise and worship is. It's not necessarily the act of praise and worship, but it's what that does. It gives us access to his presence. And that's what it's about. And that's what David did. So he's distraught. He's in this serious circumstance. So we want to know about real life. Here is real life. Here's a very, I mean, imagine parents, but don't imagine too long because it's the worst thing we don't even want to think about. Your kids being abducted. This is the scenario that he found himself in. And it says, he strengthened himself in the Lord. And I believe we can say that David got into God's presence, began to praise and worship, and then he became strengthened by doing that. In Psalm 16, 1, it says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So in God's presence is uh, fullness of joy. And in Nehemiah 8, 10, Part B, it says, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So in God's presence is fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible says David strengthened himself. He strengthened himself by gaining access to God's joy. Amen, are you with me? So when he was faced with a real hard circumstance, it said he strengthened himself. And then it says he went and sought God and said, Father, do I, what do I do? Do I go after them? And the Father said, yes, go after them, and you will overtake, and you will win everybody back. You know, a lot of times we, we find ourselves in horrible circumstances, and we're wondering why we're, we're crying out to God and we can't hear God. And I believe a lot of times we don't hear Him because the noise of the clutter of our soul is louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
We are so distraught, and all we can hear is just the just the clutter, that noise just screaming at us. Of the circumstances being hopeless and helpless and scary and fear and, and all that just bombarding us, and we can't hear anything. We wonder, why can't I hear God? God, I'm crying out to you and I can't hear you. And imagine the clutter and the noise that David was hearing. These men saying, this is your fault. And imagine what his soul was saying and screaming out to him. But he got in a quiet place, I believe. He got with the Lord. Oh, good. Thank you. He got with the Lord. And he got his soul quiet. Got his perspective changed. And then he sought the Lord. And he heard the Lord because everything was quiet. And then the Lord gave him direction. And then the rest of the story shows how David and his mighty men went out, encountered the bad guys, wiped them out, and got their families back. Now imagine what would have probably happened, and I'm just speculation, if David wouldn't have gotten over his grief. If he wouldn't have gotten over his grief, and the, the, because what he did allowed the environment to change. If he wouldn't have done that, he might have gotten stoned or killed by his, his men. Or even, or even uh, not as severe, he might have just felt sorry for himself and stayed in a puddle of despair. And, his, and the children would have been taken away forever. Sometimes the choices we, you and I make in our despair can cause the salvation of many people. Sometimes it's not just about us. And so what does praise and worship have to do with real life? Well, right here is a real situation that we saw David involved in and we saw what he did and we see the results one of the, the scriptures that came to my mind right away um, is in Acts 16 where um, Paul and Silas are going around and um, I'm not going to read the whole thing is that okay? and so when this little servant girl was following around and she was um, actually making a living uh, off fortune telling you know, telling people's fortunes, and she'd say, hey, I don't know exactly what she would do, because I wasn't there, but, you know, she'd tell people's fortunes, they'd pay her, and she'd go pay her master, so she was kind of a, a servant doing that, and uh, when Paul and Silas came to the area, she started following around, you guys remember the story, and she was like, uh, you yelling, oh, what was she yelling, about, uh, I'm going to go back to see, because otherwise, yeah, yeah, Fortune teller who earned a lot of money for a master's, and she kept falling and shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they come to tell you how to be saved, you know. Um, and she kept doing this for days, and I just see this picture of this little girl, you know. These men are servants of the Most High God, and you think, Oh, well, that should be like a, a good thing. You know, you, you think of that in the natural, it's like, Oh, it's really cool, but it was getting really irritating days after days. So finally, Paul turned and, and rebuked the spirit out of her, and it left. And so then the, the, the people who owned her, the little slave girl, got real mad. He's like, you took away your money. And so they all kind of ganged up and they stoned and they, they beat Silas and Paul very, very badly. Very badly. And then they threw him in prison, the inner prison. And, um, and I just can't believe it says having received many blows <laughs> upon them. You know, they, they gave them orders. They beat them with rods and inflicted with many blows. And then, you know, make sure they didn't escape the prison and shackle their feet. As it's having received this order, there we go, sorry. Down to verse 25, Acts 6 and 25. 
About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And I like that. And I was looking up, like, what kind of hymns would they sing? Because when you're beaten and you're thrown in jail and you're shackled, the shackles to me would be uncomfortable. Like, oh, ouch, these hurt, you know? And um, But they were thrown in this place, and they prayed and they sang hymns to God. And they most likely went to the Psalms. Remember the Psalms when they were repeating praises of God. Sometimes I just think that we get in places that we're so despaired, we have to go back to the Word. Psalms is a great place to go to and go, oh, but God, but you, oh God, <laughs> but you, oh God, and read the Psalms to get encouragement. They went back and they started singing and, and praising. And it was something that they didn't do that so they could get free. It wasn't like, oh, you know, if I do this, I bet something's going to happen. I, it came out of just a natural place of, of um, who they were. You know, that's something they practice, practice on a daily basis. So when it came, it was like, oh, now we better pray, we better sing. I'm sure this is a habit, something in their life that they, they did. And so suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and the doors were open and everyone's bonds were fastened. And I just love that. And so as a result of that, the prisoner got, the guards got saved. Many people in that area, in that prison actually got saved. But it resulted in them, of them yielding their bodies and not to their circumstances. I know there's times in my own home I have felt more like a prisoner than a free person. And I've had to choose of what to worship. If I was going to choose to worship my circumstances and my feel sorry for me attitude, or if I was going to say, but God, I need you, but you are a good God. You are good. And as doing that, I noticed as a mom doing that, I can tell you the freedom I've had and then the freedom I was able to bring to my children whose I was, I was actually ministering to them. Just by being free, instead of going, yeah, I, I'm just so, I have it so horrible kids, you don't know how bad it is to be a mom. <laughs> I had six kids, so you think, they support me, so no, it's Jesus. I looked at Jesus. That's who I worshiped, not my circumstances, not my dread, not my, you know, oh, well, boy, I'm having a lot of bad attitudes today. This is hopeless. Actually, it's not. And I, there has been there such a, a shift. I remember, um, is this a good time to share that? Okay. I mean, there's such a shift, I remember even in our house, I used to, um, not used to, <laughs> quite frequently we would just have worship music on. And just the worship music just kept reminding me just about God's goodness and how, how awesome he is. And just, you know, just the different types of, of, um, of worship just really ministered to my heart. I remember one day the kids were little and I was walking through the house and I was doing laundry. I mean, we have, you know, little kids, there's always laundry. There's never not laundry. And so I was picking my clothes up and I was just, just struggling like, oh, just having a hard day. Well, my boys were in their back room, and as I was walking to put some clothes away, they were playing praise and worship. And they had their little drums, and one of them was singing. And, and, and when I heard them, and I don't remember what they were singing, but when I heard their voices in that worship, inside it was like the atmosphere, like I had walked into a different atmosphere. Something switched, and I was like, whoa. Oh, I mean, it was, I, it's hard to even explain. But I changed. In here, 
changed. And so I'm like, yes, okay, God. And so instead of being so focused on me and my old woeism, I was focusing on the Lord. And it switched everything. And then fast forward to a few years later when I went from, I think I come ahead three, and then I went to six. Jesus, And I my homeschool because that's what the Lord had us do at the time. And, um, <laughs> you know, that could be very overwhelming. And I just remember for our household, like, the worship wasn't quite there. This, it was more of a do and a task and I've got to get this done today. I've got this list. Oh, I've got to make sure this person's, this rebellious child is doing this. And, you know, you can just get so caught up in everyone else's problems in your house. Um, I know none of you can relate. It's okay. Just kidding. And, um. I remember there's just a lack of time, of, a lack of worship. And I can remember the time when I said, okay, this is my priority, that I'm going to worship God. That I'm going to worship God, and that is going to be a priority in my day, and a priority that my children even get to hear that. And when I pressed into that, it was like I saw my kids, I saw my home from a whole different perspective. And no longer did my kids have this whiny mommy that was like, oh, Life is so bad, and I'm so scared that you're going to be rotten kids. And you know, you just have all these fears as mom. And sometimes you can't even voice it. It's hard to even voice, and you think, I never think that. But you know, when we are so caught up in the problems, it's where our faith, that's where our faith takes us, is right to the problem. But when we start worshiping God, who is bigger, our faith all of a sudden is in Him. And it totally shifts our perspective, it shifts the whole atmosphere. I can start hearing him more clearly. And I remember even those times he was he started giving me wisdom and words of even what to do. And he would tell me, every day I want you to make every one of your kids smile. Every day. Every one of them smile. That was such a change of perspective. Just little things like that, he started speaking just because I was like, Lord, I'm going to worship you today. And it really doesn't matter your style. What's opening your heart? It's like your heart being open to God. Opening that heart up to God, not just for, yeah, God, you're good. I know it. Yeah. Yeah, your praise is going to be on my lips forever. Hallelujah. Yeah. And we can just go through lip service and not have an open heart to God. When we position ourselves just to be open, God, I'm just yours. Whatever that looks like, I'm yours. I was talking with my sister earlier in the service, you know, when we were talking about the verse, um, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad that it's actually a choice. And, a, and knowing this is the day. And I will, choosing, I will rejoice and I will be glad. It just totally changed my perspective, perspective being alone. And one thing that I find interesting between David and uh, King, you know, King David in the Old Testament and then Paul and Silas who were in prison, that they all did something very similar. When they were in very negative circumstances, very bad, very harsh circumstances, I believe they did what they had been practicing. When you are in a bad circumstance, you will do, you will respond how you've been practicing up to that point. If you practice grumbling, murmuring, complaining, focusing on negative, you know, speaking words of hopelessness and helplessness and, and just cursing and 
just negative stuff. If you practice that on a daily basis, then guess what's going to happen when the pressure comes and you squeeze? Whatever you've been practicing is going to happen. And so how is what you're practicing, how is that going to bring about a change in your circumstances? And David had been practicing praise and worship. It was a lifestyle to him. So that when he found himself in that circumstance, it just came out. This is what he did. Paul and Silas had been practicing. They were praising God, and then they found themselves in the stocks. And what did they do? What they had been practicing. I don't believe either one of them were saying, you know what? If I praise and worship, God's going to change the circumstance. I don't think that was their mentality. I think because of the relationship with the Father, what they had experienced from him, because of what they had been practicing, they just loved on him, and all of a sudden the environment changed. In the first circumstance, in David's circumstance, God didn't, David didn't start praising, and God snapped his fingers and changed the circumstance. In that, in that situation, David's attitude and mentality changed. And then he sought the Lord. The Lord gave him wisdom, and then salvation came. In the second scenario with Paul and Silas, God did change the circumstances. Sometimes God will change you in the circumstances, and sometimes God will change the circumstances. But if you, if you find yourself, because I did this so often, when things would hit me, I would just go into that, that whiny, even getting in God's presence. I would get with God, and I would just whine, and just moan, and groan, and just all that. And I don't know if I was thinking that was intercession or what. But I was just whining. And it's like, what? You know, what good is that doing me? That didn't do anything. It just made my, it made my attitude get worse. And I'm focusing on, I'm worshiping the problem. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And then I can just walk around gloomy. And then I go home and I change the environment. The, the atmosphere could have been happy before I got home. And I'm going to change that wonderful environment. Ooh, dad's in a bad mood. That's right, I'm in a bad mood. You better get out of my way. And just everything would just be gloomy. Or what I learned to do is is at the Lord's encouragement is quit complaining so much because I realized I made a logical uh, revelation. Complaining and griping doesn't do much good for me. It never has. I don't think it ever will. Or people around you. Yeah, it didn't help them either. It didn't help me either. <laughs> it didn't help. It didn't encourage Lisa when I came home whining and griping and everything. She said, oh, honey, I'm so glad you're home. You know, it didn't, She didn't respond that way. But when I began to Allow the circumstance. Well, first of all, I just began to practice praise and worship. I just began to do it as a lifestyle. I didn't do it. I enjoyed it on Sunday mornings with everybody, but then I also did it on my own. In the car, when I bought myself. Any, any opportunity I took, I just began to worship and praise. And, and because of what happened, what I discovered happened to me and still does is I'm praising. It's like I get in God's presence who is all love. He's all passion and compassion, and he loves people. So when I get in his presence, what I find happens, because he's full of love, the dark places and the areas of my life that do not line up with love, they become exposed. Because I go in with a heart, God, search me, try me, know my anxious thoughts. I want to be more like you, Jesus. I, so that's my heart, and that's the posture of my heart. And so when I go into his presence, all of a sudden I say, man, God, you're so good, you're so good, you're so wonderful, you're so loving. And all of a sudden my heart begins to think, how am I treating my wife? Hmm, man, I wasn't too nice to her the other day. And so I begin to adjust. It's like I come into alignment with his love. Because the Bible says to love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself, right? 
The whole long commandments is, is, is summed up in those two things. Love God and love your neighbor. So if you are truly loving God, then it's going to be uh, displayed through how you treat people. So let me say that in reverse. How you treat people displays how you love God. And so when I would worship and practice that and practice that, all of a sudden it's like, how am I doing with my wife, Lisa? And then he'd give me ideas. Practical ideas. For example, he would say, we well, wouldn't necessarily say this in, in during praise and worship, but he would tell me this while driving or doing whatever. He'd say, tonight on your way home, I want you to take dinner home. I'm like, what? Well, Lisa's probably cooking. He'd say, well, just trust me. I want you to take dinner home. So I'd call Lisa. Hey, how's it going? Maybe she had a rough day. And I said, hey, by the way, I'm bringing lunch home or dinner home. And sometimes she would cry. And I'd say, never mind, I'm not bringing dinner home. <laughs> because she just had one of those days, six kids, a rough day and everything. And she would tell me later, I was thinking, how in the world am I going to do dinner? It was before the almighty texting machine. Yeah, because just so you know, you couldn't do that. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so she was having a rough day. She had a need. Her father knew that need. And, his, and the father had a son who says, Father, I want to do your will. And he says, all right, bring some fried chicken home or a pizza or whatever. And with my sons, he would tell me as I'm worshiping, as I'm drawn close to him, he said, you know, you really need to spend time with this son. You need to encourage him. He would help. And then I would do that. I would do what the father told me to do. And then my relationship with that individual would just blossom because he knows what they need. He knew exactly. I remember one time me and Trey... Oops, I wasn't going to say his name. But anyway, I did. He's busted. Trey was probably 11 or 12 and had a bad attitude. I don't remember what happened, but he was wrong, I'm sure, because I wasn't. But he was, there was a situation. He did something wrong, bad attitude. And then I just said, you need to go to your room. Because I was thinking before I kill you. So you better go to your room where you sit. I know parents never had those thoughts. Anyway, you need to go to your room. So he went to say, well, we were kind of at a gridlock. He wasn't seeing what he had done wrong. And it was just a situation that was just locked up. I didn't know what to do. And I remember I was in my room and the father said, I want you to go into his room and I want you to say this. And he gave me the script of what he said. I don't remember to this day, I don't remember what it is, but he said, I want you to say this. And I had to get over my attitude. And then I did, I went in the room, I opened the door and I said, son, and I laid out the script. And I closed the door and I went back in the living room. And within five minutes, Trey came out he approached me and said, Dad, can we talk? And we went to the room. He said, I was wrong. And the whole situation changed. Okay. I was just thinking, you know, as we were just talking, uh, you know, we carry with us atmosphere wherever we go. And the thing about being a Christian is we get to choose what atmosphere we belong to. If you're not following the Lord, you just get whatever the enemy throws at you or you're bad, I don't know. Sorry, but this is a good opportunity. If you don't know the Lord, you know, please come talk to us so you can know. <laughs> but we carry atmosphere with us where we go, and usually whatever atmosphere we tap into is what we're going to carry. So have you ever walked with somebody who is in a bad mood, and all of a sudden you just run right into their atmosphere? Has anyone done that? Or you go, yeah. <laughs> so glad. Um, or you go into an atmosphere and you're like, whoa, there, there, there's just a real battle there. You can feel, and I just feel like we can choose when we tap into him and we tap into his atmosphere. We carry his presence wherever we go. So when something's coming up and all of a sudden I feel very 
in a bad mood and I'm going to walk into this place because I'm in a bad mood and I'm just going to let them know I'm having a bad day. Yeah, I'm, I'm really having this horrible day. And, um, you know, and sometimes if you're not shy about sharing that with people, especially close people, close friends, close family, because we're pulling that in. But when we say, okay, you know, I might be having a bad day, but the truth is, is God is good all the time. And so even though if I'm having a bad day, I'm going to choose to worship God and just let his presence change me. Because carrying his presence does not depend on our circumstances. And I think that's for real life, that's one of the most important things that I have learned. Is it doesn't matter. Like, yes, everything can be horrible. Everything can be bad. But what I choose to tap into, what I choose to walk in, what I choose to carry is truly my choice. And I can take it and I can deposit it on whoever I want to. So I can deposit it on my husband, my children, my close friends, or I can say, but God, I'm going to tap into you today. And what is it that I'm carrying? What, you know, what love do, does this person need? What, what does, how can I be sensitive to this need over here? It's just so what you're tapping into. And I think that's one thing the worship helps us just to really tap into his presence and what he says about us and not what everything else is screaming at us. You know, one thing that I appreciate Lisa doing in, in our home is she, she told me years ago that the Lord challenged her to uh, do something to make each kid smile. And, uh, and so she just did that over and over and over. Now, we had five boys because Julia, our little saviorette, came later. <laughs> so we had five boys, you know, for a long time. And, and you can make a lot of testosterone in the house. There's a lot of, I mean, we had fun. It was wonderful. I mean, it's not like our, our life was horrible, that kind of thing, at all. But there were some challenging times, because life is life. People do stuff and everything. But when she began to change in a sense of just, okay, I'm going to just bring joy into the home. And it began to convict me, because I am more the taskmaster. Come in the house, I'll whip, crack that whip. All right, get up and then get to work. You know, just that mentality. And, and I can... Either let that mentality drive everything, or it's like, no, we can have an attitude of joy. And I remember one time the Holy Spirit gave me an idea. We had that, we're having company. You know, the house is a wreck. We're having people over. So we got like two hours to get it clean. Like, all right, guys. And he, the Lord gave me a smart way. He said, son, instead of yelling at the kids, he said, we got to get this work done because people are coming over. He said, why don't you do this? And so he gave me this idea. So I turned on praise music, and, and I made a game of it. And, and people were running around, and we're like, we're making a competition, how fast we can get this area clean, how fast we can do this, how fast we can do all that. And the kids had fun. We were yelling, jumping, dancing, screaming, having a great time. Everything got done, and nobody was dead, because I killed them, because they weren't working fast enough. <laughs> but I think, I think maybe some of your fathers know what I'm talking about, how we can just get so critical and so, ugh, you know. And, and we can just put that on our kids. Or we can allow the Holy Spirit to help us to bring in the presence of the joyous fullness. Presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. See, in His presence, if we invite His presence to our home, there's going to be joy there. One of the manifestations of the kingdom is joy. So if we're lacking joy in our home, that's a barometer. You can see, what's the atmosphere of the presence of God in my home? If there's no joy, His presence isn't too strong. I just have one last testimony I want to share. 
because um, then I think this too, just for the young people, okay? Um, I just want to show this to you. Just, and understand that you guys can actually change the presence in your home as well. When you're tapping to the Lord and you're carrying His presence, no matter what your parents are going through, you can actually change that. I'm going to share a testimony. A few years ago, we had Christmas at my house, and I was running late, like an hour, hour and a half, like cooking everything. I was so stressed. I was just like, and I didn't, I wasn't talking to any of my children, but I guess I was just very uptight. I felt very stressed, and I just felt like, gotta get this done now, get this done now. And one of my sons came up to me, um, and he's like, Mom, what's the matter? And I said, I'm a bit stressed. I haven't had this done this time. And I just kind of, he's like, no, Mom, it's okay. Well, and he just gave me a hug. My son came up, just gave me a hug. Lisa started crying. Like, oh. he's like, no, Mom, we're having fun. This is a good day. This is a fun time. You know, this is, and he just reminded me of the position to carry. And after he did that, it just released. Like, so his atmosphere that he was carrying bombarded mine, which was stress. His parents are going to carry stress at times. I'm not, it's not a declaration. That's just what happens, okay? So feel free to go into that atmosphere and say, oh, but why? Well, what do you need me to do, Mom? How can I help you? And he just loved on me, and that, I remember that so clearly. Because he chose what realm he was going to live in. He didn't react to the, re the, the realm I was in, like, ah, gotta get this done, gotta get this, get out of my way, everyone leave, okay, and just, you know, working crazy. But he came into my presence and changed it, said, Mom, it's okay, and he loved on me, and that was a huge switch. So be empowered to change your parents' atmosphere. You know, one thing this reminded me the other day is, is uh, we'd have challenging time with our kids, or, or they were just have be going through life, their, their teenage challenges and things are going through, and maybe there was a clash between us and teenagers, or maybe they were just having some challenges, and I remember there'd be times they all had their, their own rooms and everything, and you'd go by one of the rooms and you'd hear worship music playing, and it's like, okay, good, God's got their heart. That was one of the most, that was some of the most encouraging situations to encounter when you hear your sons Worshiping God on their own. It wasn't family worship. It was something they were choosing to do themselves. You hear them praying in tongues. You hear them crying out to the Lord. You hear them worshiping because the walls aren't too thick. You know, they're pretty thin. So Especially in a trailer house. Yeah. <laughs> so you could, you could hear what was going on. But it was so encouraging to hear that that's how they were responding. And I believe it's the example, you know, mom being home all the time, you know, homeschooling and everything. So the example that we set, that parents that we choose to set, it's not just telling our kids to do this. All right, guys, you will worship, but it's, it's modeling that. If it's your lifestyle, then your kids are going to pick up on that. And I want to say one more thing. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago about establishing worship in your family, family worship. If you have young children, you know, up to maybe nine-ish, then you can, and you realize as a couple, you're thinking, you know what, we haven't been doing this. Let's start doing this. It's easy to get little kids on board and just go. Because they're very like, okay, this, hey, we're going to do this. Okay, mommy, daddy, they're going to start going, doing that. If you have preteens and teens, and you haven't been doing worship, you haven't even been doing family time, haven't been playing games, haven't even been eating dinner together, and all of a sudden you come home and say, all right, kids, we're going to worship God. We're going to worship as a family. <laughs> Good luck with that. Because you, you have to, and so if, if 
you can't go from zero to 100 just like that. So your goal may be to, you know, as a family, we would like to worship, but maybe the starting place is, let's begin to have dinner together. Let's play games together. You need to change the atmosphere of your home where you're coming together because if you just try to come off and pull off family worship, it's going to come off as religious and, and they're going to react to it. Also, one more thing, if you have preteens and teens, if you have little kids, you can say, guys, here's what we're going to do. And you can invite them to participate in the decision-making up to a certain point. But with preteens and teens, you definitely want to invite them into the decision-making. You know, this is what we want to do as a family. We want to have a, oh, just a worship time. We want to invite God's presence into our home. So guys, how do we do that? Because it may not look like everybody standing up in your living room with their hands raised, dancing, and that kind of thing with worship music. It may or may not look like that. It could be as simple as we're going to play a worship song, and we're just going to close our eyes, and we're just going to think about Jesus and just see what he wants to say to us. And no one's singing, no one's doing anything. Whatever works for your family. That's the important thing. And one more point on that. Husbands and wives, it's important for you to be together. On this, ladies, maybe you might be saying, we're going to do this as a family, I want to do this, and you want to go implement it, but if your husband isn't on board, then you guys need to get together first before you try to implement it as a family, I believe. Yeah, and it doesn't really work. You know, um, you know, learning just to work together as a couple, and then sometimes I've heard a lot of wives say, I want my husband to do this so bad, you know, right. Right, husband, don't we want to do this? Yes, I want to do it, but he won't. And they'll be like pointing at him, you know, their husband saying, he won't do this. I just want to say that, first of all, that go to the Lord with it. Lord, this is my desire. I would love for a family for us to worship. And express your desire to him. Because, first of all, he's your first husband. <laughs> Many times, my husband can't meet all my needs, but my God sure can. And so when there's been times, I'm sorry, I hope this isn't popping in trouble, but sometimes my husband hasn't been, my husband has not met all of my needs. Sorry. But my God sure has. And there's I can't tell you the amount of times that I've went to him and said, Lord, this is really what I would like. And I just ask you for wisdom and I just put this before your feet. I just you just give it to him, whatever that looks like in your words. And just see what God does with that. Sometimes he, it, it, he does nothing, and the person who needs to change is me. It's my attitude. And sometimes I'm shocked because CJ will say, hey, honey, let's this and this and this. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know? So I just want to encourage you. It's, just, it's not a good idea, but husband and wife just to learn to work together in this whole thing. There's been times when CJ is like, we're going to have a worship night. And inside I'm like, I want to go to bed. That's the last thing I want to do. And, and the same thing. I'm like, yo, you know, we have a worship night. And he's like, oh, but I'd really like to turn the TV on. I'd really like to, you know. But so we just kind of listen to each other. And I'll say, you know, this would be a good night for worship. This would be a good night for, or let's do this, you know. We, we actually visit and talk about what we'd like to do. And we don't let our emotions get in the way sometimes. Well, hopefully. <laughs> That's all the time. Let's all stand together. What we want to invite you in, what we're talking about, and, and it's, it's no big secret, but the opportunity to allow praise and worship to be a lifestyle, because when it becomes a lifestyle, that's when, when you see all kinds of powerful things. That's when you see the miraculous working in your life on a greater level. 
know, you can be a carnal Christian and, and just experience to live a, a natural life, or you can experience the supernatural life that God's wanting to invite us into. But we have to participate in and do the things that he's telling us to do that leads us into his supernatural realm. So what we're going to ask you to do is ask you to close your eyes and, and just invite Holy Spirit to help you to make this a lifestyle. And we're not talking something super hyper-spiritual. We're just talking about practical. And it can be, it can be simple choices like, for example, um, Guys, when I drop around, I love to listen to sports radio. But sometimes what I'll do is just make the choice. You know what? Instead of listening to sports radio this week, I'm just going to turn on praise every time I'm going to cry. And just pray in the spirit. Just worship. And, and it's just, it's just a, developing a habit of practicing this presence. So getting worship, you know, on your phone, um, in your house, or whatever. It's just, so just ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how do I move forward practically in this? Father, we thank you for the grace that you're making available to every one of us to be able to embrace this, this practical, wonderful opportunity just to practice your presence. And I thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives as a corporate family and as individual families and as individuals. We thank you that this is becoming my lifestyle. In Jesus' name. Amen.